Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. And well, I am not only back here in the studio, but I am joined none other than our Vice President of Sales, Mr. Rob Bonham. And as you know, for you loyal listeners, every time we have him on the program, we like to do his walk-up music. So I got a good one for you this time. It is Song 2 is the title by Blur. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome once again the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Rob Bonham. Dave, thanks for having me again and uh, inviting me to come down the hall and join you. Is it an invitation or is it a requirement? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's in my job spec, actually. I don't know if it is, but I do appreciate you coming back and always doing this. And just so you know, Rob, he's pretty diligent. He likes to be prepared for these. He doesn't like to wing it, uh, which you never should wing something like this. We've done two episodes prior to this. Number 111, which was titled Smarketing. Aligning sales and marketing for revenue growth. And you and I did uh, episode 95. We did. Understanding the dynamic between sales and marketing. There's a theme going here, right? There is a sales and marketing theme. I think <laughs> I think it's a good theme. I think we should follow on to that. It's a good theme. So let's pick it back up. I What I wanted to cover today, because when I am out and about and talking with clients and, and various folks, they always want to know, so what are other clients of yours doing these days? What's happening out there? Uh, in marketing land. And I thought it would be really good to get it from your perspective because you talk to marketing leaders every day. You are talking to the folks that are reaching out to us or we're reaching out to folks and you're having conversations with them. And so you are like on the front lines of what the pain points are. So since from a sales and marketing theme, since most of our listeners on Demand Gen Radio are sales and marketing leaders and practitioners, what a great topic to say, what's on the top of marketers' minds these days through the voice of sales, through Rob Bonham. Well, I, th- I think there's, you know, the uh, the standard things that we're always going to run into, and that's um, pain points around um, their stack and and uh, what they're working on and challenge with from day to day. But, you know, what's interesting, we've seen in the last year or so kind of a migration away from our typical customer into um, companies that maybe haven't made that that uh, leap into digital transformation yet. And um, that seems to be new in the last, uh, you know, eight, nine months. Let's, let's put each one of these then on the, on the pegboard then. So up first, you're saying these are new industries, people that are, are really not digital natives. They, the digital marketing hasn't been part uh, of that. And you're seeing more of that. Is there a specific industry that you find that is um, in that category of like just getting into digital has been sales driven their whole, whole time? Yeah, I, I, I have been seeing more and more uh, what I'll, I'll call old school uh, manufacturing companies. So mm. companies that have been around not just uh, for decades, but in some cases, you know, a century. Um, that have gone to market consistently over time through relationships that their salespeople have with with their clients. And and that's now what we're running into is we're seeing that change. Um, and uh, part of that change, not only is their desire to move into, you know, more, more digital marketing space, 
but they're reaching into the into the ranks of uh, marketers that are currently in companies that do digital marketing and pulling them out of out of um, those companies that are used to doing that and bringing them into their environment where they have not done any of that before and that may be even you know all the way down to um, they don't have an MA platform uh, they don't have a CRM and so you're you're basically building the car from scratch well what I can think of we we won't mention a name to protect the innocent um, but but one I'm 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 lipping it to you so you know who I'm talking about ready Oh, yeah, them. Okay. okay, so they, they're a multi-billion dollar company, right? This isn't someone who's just in manufacturing and just starting to figure out, hey, we should be in digital. They've been around for a long, long time. And they're and a successfully. Really, yeah. Yeah. And so take us through the story of what happened uh, in their world that they decided to say, you know what, we've got we've to shift how we go to market and grow and grow through digital as opposed to this very heavy, heavy investment in sales. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things that became apparent to them. One is, you know, the cost of, of maintaining a sales organization, a field sales organization, like they have traditionally is starting to become more expensive than, than it has been in the past relative to their other costs. Um, the, the other thing that they're, they're noticing is that their buyers who traditionally were relying solely on the salesperson for their source of information about the products and services they buy are now able to get that information in so many other places, as we know in our business. Yeah. And um, that's forcing these companies to make the change. It was also, there was uh, a particular account, if you will. So let's let's go. By the way, can I introduce a new term here on, a, on Demand Gen Radio? I hope you would. I'm going to go for it. Uh, I just wrote a blog post. It's out by the time you are hearing this about the best framework for ABM. So go check that out at demandgen.com in the resources area. Look for, I think it's titled the best framework for ABM. And in that article, I want people to read it, but I do talk about how much I hate the acronym ABM and the reasons I give for that. So one of the, one of my P's, one of the reasons in the article is because ABM is account-based marketing. And here we are talking about sales and marketing and account-based marketing is more than just sales and marketing. It's, it's across the entire organization. So can I give you a new acronym, Rob? Please do. A-B-G. A-B-G? A-B-G. What do you think that stands for? You're a smart guy. Account-based growth? You know, he got that even, even without me mouthing that to him. Yeah, account-based growth, because that's what we're doing, is yeah. growing. Anyway, yeah. I, I digress, but you heard it here first on Demand Gen Radio. Someone's going to take the ball and run with that. I um, have no doubt. But they, the point I was going to make is they have a particular account of theirs that they have closed. So they're now a customer. They've, they've done a, a very large uh, purchase with them, but they have to get the products out to all of their different retail centers. Uh, and so they're going to do an account-based growth strategy with a target of one account that has thousands of locations that they need to penetrate and get there. So that, that was a catalyst for them, right? They were like, as you said, people aren't buying from us the same traditional way of talking, get information from sales. We've got to embrace digital. So that, that's one persona and that's, that's one industry uh, that's getting onto digital. Who are some other personas that reach out to you? If, like you, if you can come up with your own persona definitions, like what are they, who are they? 
Well, one, you know, one that we see quite a bit here because uh, a lot of our uh, businesses repeat business um, is when there's the new sheriff in town, mm -hmm. the new marketing um, VP, the new CMO that has gone from another company to a new company. So they've got to come in, they've got to look at the organization and structure um, their go-to-market plans the way that they feel is the best way to go. So that's one that we run into quite a bit. That, 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 that is a big part, certainly, of our business. In fact, you know who I talked to this morning is, is Alexandra, or Alex, as she likes to go by, from Code 42, new CMO there. They're a current client of ours. And uh, the reason that we had a conversation was uh, Greg Huckabee, the client engagement manager for Code 42. She's like, she didn't say it, but basically, I'm the new sheriff in town and would love to get an update you on our initiatives, what you think of the team, how things have been going, what we've been working on. Um, can I get all the documentation and materials that you guys have created so I can look through all of those and take me through it? And so exactly like you said, she wanted to figure out where they've been. She's starting to put the plan on where they need to go. She's been in the role now one week as of this recording. Uh, but that's an existing client, but you do. You have a lot of people reach out, right, that, that you're now calling the new sheriff who comes in there. And what are some of the things that they are looking for from us as the new sheriff? What's, what's on their mind that they want to focus in on as, as the person who's taken the helm? Well, I, I think one of the things that they, uh, they look to us for is to be that um, unbiased voice uh, to the rest of their organization so that it's not... Um, just them coming in as a new person and, and uh, dictating what's happening, but to bring in somebody like a dimension that can talk to their organization, because in a lot of cases, it's a sea change for them mm -hmm. um, organizationally, um, and not just in getting other parts of the organization to understand how this shift in direction is going to impact the organization. Um, but there may be people that, again, don't know anything about digital marketing and, and uh, how we approach our business. So what's a, what's a pain point for them? They're, they're new, they're in place, maybe a few weeks, and they're starting to look at what? Well, the, the, typically they're going to get pushed back because um, uh, other people have gotten their arms around, I call it tree hugging, um, parts of the business that they do not want to see changed. And so oftentimes you're, you're helping them be convinced that a new direction is a better way for them to go. Um, happens a lot with um, ABG, um, that's for sure. Um, we see it also in terms of migrating platforms, which is another part of you know what I'm seeing in the marketplace is um, people migrating from uh, one platform to a next to the next, and it's not just necessarily. Um, you know, the marketing automation platform, it can be any number of tools that are in the stack. Yeah. The, um, on the migration side. So, uh, what, from your experience, when somebody, the new sheriff persona, when they come in, why is there a migration happening? I think typically it's because they realize that to get to where they want to go, the future state, that they're going to have to make a migration because the tools that they have in place that they've inherited aren't going to get them where they need to go. So um, as we find often, um, there, is a, there is a limit to what all of these um, software platforms can do, and that may not be in tune with what they want to do uh, long-term. And so you see them come in and, and make changes that, along that line. I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast, but it's been interesting to see people reaching out to us, asking us the question, We'd like you to get your help with an assessment, an unbiased assessment about whether we should still be using a marketing automation system. And it, it, I thought when the first one of those came up that it was like this anomaly. Yeah. And I literally scratched my head like, 
are you are you, you like I'm thinking are are they serious like they're going to get rid of their marketing automation system and the comment that they made was uh, look, we're looking, if we're, if we're signing multi-year licenses for these tools, we're looking three years out and saying, do we still need not only the tool that we have, but do we need still need the tool? Is that me or is that you? I think that's my Siri answering. Siri. Siri's, Siri's on the podcast. Siri, go away. I think that, that um, yeah, it's interesting because we, I can't remember any time where I've heard people say, you know what, I may just abandon um, CRM altogether. I may abandon a marketing automation platform. I've never heard that before. And, and you know, I right now I will say small sample size, um, but we are hearing things like that. You know, the the area that I'm hearing more about, um, and this kind of ties into the new sheriff in town, is when you've got multiple platforms across different divisions, um, or there's been an acquisition with other companies, and you've got to consolidate that. Yeah. Um, and as a matter of fact, we got um, a uh, somebody reached out to us today. I can't remember off the top of my head. You probably do the number of um, brands they had in their portfolio, each of which was using different CRMs. I, I have that one printed right here. Well, it came in at 1.49 p.m. today. And uh, again, no names mentioned, but he wrote... We are looking for a solution agnostic consultant to help us navigate our CRM project. We have 13 brands in our portfolio. One uses Microsoft Dynamics, four use Salesforce, and the others don't have a solution in place. Talk about a complex environment and someone saying, you help me. I, I, I have to present a solution to the organization of what we're going to do from a CRM perspective going forward with all these different different groups, but much much different than our business was certainly years ago. Yeah. And, you know, for those those marketers and sales leaders out there that are listening to this, that are running into that situation, um, I'm seeing that more often than not now. So you're not unique. Um, there is there is hope. Um, I, I think the you know the theme that I'm seeing this year is is complexity is more complex than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you know it plays into into what we do here at, at uh, Demandgen to try and simplify things for people. And one of the reasons I want to cover some of these topics because you know you again on the front lines hearing what marketers are thinking about. I think there's a lot of people who tune into the podcast who wonder just like you said are they alone? Are these challenges that they're facing? Um, unique to them, and so as we continue to go through this, I think you're going to find out no, they're they're not. There's a there's but but it, it's changing what the issues are. You know, years ago it was what marketing automation systems should I get? Right. Um, almost everybody has Salesforce. There are other CRMs, but now we're seeing, as you're saying, that so many acquisitions are taking place in the market. Um, there's one actually right now. There's a proposal we have out, which is 22 companies that they have acquired, right. and and we're going to do the uh, ideally we're do the consolidation work for them of these different businesses, getting them down into one marketing automation system and one CRM across one of the largest companies in, in, in the, the world. world. That's a big project yeah. um, and, and an important decision for them to make not only who the right partner is to do that, but also that's a very complex environment. The trains are already left the station. They're running for these 22 businesses and they need to keep it going. Imagine having to deal with that project if any of you are dealing with something smaller that was was taxing you. That's that's a big one. Yeah, and I think that transitions into um, we're seeing more and more marketing organizations looking to outsource you know, work, um, in particular on the uh, professional services side, the technical 
uh, consulting and implementation side. Why do you think? Why do you think outsourcing is more than today more uh, common, more top of mind for companies than it was years ago? What's What's happening in the market by customers that uh, have them looking to go outside their organization to to get these services? Yeah, I want to say that it's the collective learning um, we've had as marketers over time that building it yourself isn't necessarily the the right path to take. And as marketing organizations and sales organizations from an operations standpoint get um, uh, thinned out in terms of the number of people they have, they're, they're being um, forced to look at other alternatives. And in a lot of cases, that's outsourcing that work. So at this time of the year, when, when it's, we're approaching the last quarter of the year, which it, it rained today in California for it's, the first time. It's, it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. Candy's out uh, in the stores for Halloween. Well, the, you're planning your, your budget for next year. You're planning your staffing plan. And what I do see come up around staffing is, and I experienced this when I ran marketing, is there's natural churn in the marketing department, less in other areas of the company, but it's, it's a department that has a lot of movement typically that's going in at everything from the CMO on down. So whether it's a new sheriff or a marketing leader and they're looking to build out their organization, one of the things that we are absolutely seeing people struggle with on the West Coast is availability of, of resources, A, and, and the expense of those resources. Affordable B, resources. Yeah, affordable resources. And then C, which is, you know, if, if you hung out your shingle and said, look, I've got a Marketo certification or two or three certifications, well, that that's great, but that's no longer what everyone's looking for unless your role is just the marketing automation manager or administrator. In today's complex environments, like you said, with all these companies with all these different tools in their stack, they're looking for a much more diversified set of expertise yeah. and coming up um, very very short list of, of people who have such a broad range of MarTech and sales tech expertise. I think that's spot on, Dave. Um, and we've run into that a number of times where we sit with marketing leaders and they share a job description with us. And it's, you know, my first response is that that person doesn't exist um, because they're trying to, they're trying to check so many boxes in a single individual and in a single hire. It's, it's very difficult. And, and as a result, the, you know, that, that ends up being a churn. Mm -hmm. um, that employee um, doesn't satisfy the needs of the employer and they're gone. And now they're back to the same place they were. So. We recently had, this wasn't one uh, project that you dealt with because it wasn't a new client, but one of our existing clients reached out to their client engagement manager and said, I'm doing my planning for next year and I'm, I'm going to build a business case for whether we insource or outsource our global demand center. You know who I'm, I'm talking about. And, and he came to me and said, you know, can you help? And I said, of course. So we got the team together and we said, let's help you build your business case. And we really did open book accounting with him and with us and said, let's take a look at what it would cost to staff and how many resources yeah. you would need. So we figured out, I think it was six and a half resources that they would need to do their global campaigns based on the volumes that they do and the type of campaigns they do. And then we built out what that would cost, not only in uh, headcount, but burden, and then threw some other dollars in for recruiting, training, and systems. And he came up with a total number for what it would cost the company for just one year for the staff. If you could magically get that staff on January 1st and have the staff all the way in place, this is what it would cost. And it was interesting, we saved him over 10% by him outsourcing to us. And 
it was it was a fun project to work on with him because we really got to get behind the scenes and and really help him build his PowerPoint deck and all the internal materials to be able to build the business case of why to insource or outsource. And when I look across, even though that's a big part of our business today is campaign operations for our clients, I still think most people do that tactical work in-house. And as you know, we, we scratch our heads because back in the days of direct mail, you, you have tons of experience in, in direct mail and we never licked our own envelopes and put postage on them and stuffed them and sent them when we bid, did big direct mail campaigns. Yet we've got um, expensive resources doing very tactical email building, landing page building, and and campaign flows. And so it was it was a fun project to go through the pros and cons of whether to insource and outsource. And he's made the decision to to move that way. Other 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 roles or areas that you're seeing people consider outsourcing besides campaign operations. Well, on the on the technical side, yeah. so um, you know, I like to say that that you get involved with a client and and uh, you list a whole number of projects that you're going to work on. What happens is you get involved in those projects and you don't know what you don't know, and things pop up. And at that point, what are you going to do as the marketer? You're going to you're going to stop stop the work and go hire someone? No, you're not going to do that. So that's an opportunity to, out, to outsource as well. And you know, in our case, we use that as we're an extension of their their marketing organization, and they can draw from the technical talent that we have that has you know man, many many man years of experience, and you're just not going to find that um, uh, at least not quickly. Yeah, the um, conversation that you had with Pat over at ServiceMax, uh, he was our I think our very first data MD yep. client for a new data MD service. What was his whole reason for for outsourcing? the the data hygiene function uh, on an agency versus tackling that in, internally? Well, I think w- the primary reason for Pat was um, it wasn't something he wanted to tie his organization, his his uh, resources up and doing, uh, number one. And number two, he wasn't convinced that they could do it as accurately as, as we could. Uh, so a couple different uh, um, department challenges is, uh, is a... I don't know how to label it, but the folks that reach out to you and say, I don't know how to structure my organization, right? Someone's come to us and said that they, you know, we have a, it's a, it's a 40,000 person company and they need to figure out how to structure their global marketing team. Uh, and there's not a lot of reference points for that, right? There's not a lot of org, public org charts and benchmarks and, and doing stuff for that. And certainly we've come up to an approach, but are you seeing that? Because I, I can think of one or two of those, but are you seeing the um, help me figure out my org structure roles, responsibilities? Are you seeing that more and more? Or is that same amount decline? No, I think that we're seeing more of it. And that gets back to my point about complexity is more complex than it's ever been. And um, you can't go Google, you know, the perfect org chart. And so they're looking for somebody that's got experience across any number of industries and number of companies around the world to say who's done this before and how have they done that. Um, and so we rely on our experience and seeing what has worked uh, to help help them with that. But it is interesting in the last probably six months, we see that more often than than we uh, we have in the past. The uh, MarTech stack and sales tech stack consolidation, you talked about this earlier, I wanna come back to it a little bit, is on the uh, podcast that I did with uh, Avnita from Visa, I recommended on that podcast that people take this zero-based budget 
approach for their tech stack every year. And just to summarize that, feel free to go back and listen to it. But I said, start the year with the approach that you have zero budget for every MarTech tool that marketing has purchased a responsible for, and then build the business case again for why you still need that that tool. In fact, recently in our own organization, Sales Navigator came up from LinkedIn, right? And the admin in our organization was looking at use and adoption and only has really limited metrics um, in terms of what's provided from LinkedIn on our own use. And so we had an internal meeting to do a cost justification of who is using that with it, primarily within your team right. and whether we still need to have that. I remember that conversation. I think like how much of that is or isn't happening in different groups and sales navigator costs us maybe like $7,000 a year, but for much larger companies, that's, that's a five digit or six digit number, let alone all the other tools that they have. How, how much is this happening um, where you're being asked to help um, review the MarTech stacks or sales tech stacks and make recommendations on what tool sets and what to sunset? Uh, almost every single uh, client that we talk to. And one of the things that I, I will mention, and I, and I say this when, when I'm out in front of uh, our customers, is your stack is not something that you build and walk away from. Um, the technology is changing so quickly that I'm not going to say that you need to do a, an assessment every quarter, but you should be doing an assessment at least once a year if you're on your entire stack. And I think now is a good time of year to do that when you're going into your budgeting cycle because you'd be surprised the amount of money you might be able to save or, or um, redirect to other tools as a result of um, elements of your stack being outdated or um, overlapping with other tools that you have. So um, we see that all the time. Um, that's something that you need to stay on top of. And it's probably also something that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing yourself. Yeah. Let's talk about some of your sales cycles and just more the the psychology and environments today. Are you finding a change in uh, clients' stress levels uh, these days? Is that, or is the topics that they're stressed about changed um, at all? N there's no stress at all. Zero. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> no wonder your job's so easy. Yeah. No. You know, I I, I don't think there's a, a single answer to that. Um, a lot of it depends on the size of the company, the size of the organization. They're all stressed. Um, all of our clients have some element of stress. It could be stress around their foundation. Uh, they've made investments. Now they've got to prove that it uh, is worth the investment. Um, you know, was it built correctly? We, we see that more often than not. Um, with, you, with the new sheriff in town, you've got uh, things that they've inherited that causes them stress, um, and, and that's another uh, area. But, um, you know, a, an area of constant, a constant theme of stress is that sales and marketing alignment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got two organizations that if they aren't um, in sync, can very quickly get get um, going in different directions. It kills me when I, I'll walk down the hallway and I'll go to the kitchen and, and you and Tiffany will pass each other in the hallway, I laugh, and you'll fist bump and say, alignment. Like, alignment, we're aligned. <laughs> yeah. you, we share a wall too, so. You do, you have to be. But we uh, we had a meeting this morning. It was It's your regular, is it weekly or bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly sales and marketing alignment meeting. And um, would you share what one of those topics uh, we're on the agenda. What we went through, uh, I'd love I'd love for you to talk about that because it was it was a training. It was like a training, a mini training that we did within the meeting. And I'm thinking about it because 
we're seeing again more and more people reach out in that category uh, around getting getting sales to adopt the tools yeah. that marketing is putting out. So what what happened this yeah. morning? Which it, which I do at some point. You know, another another episode we should talk about that. But um, it was around how do you how do you uh, convert a lead um, from a lead to um, attaching it to to in this case an opportunity. Um, and we, in the sales organization, we're not attaching it to an opportunity. We were attaching it to the account, um, which means that's, that our friends in marketing can't attribute the, the um, source of that lead uh, accurately. Yeah, it was, it was fun because for a company that goes out and, and teaches and consults on this, it was nice to see our own sales ops and marketing ops people put something on the agenda and say, you know, today we're going to take you through once again, because we always have new members or different members on the team, or it's good to refresh. Here's how to convert. Here's when to convert a lead to a contact. And here's the flow for whether an opportunity should be created and where an opportunity should be created and what essential fields, required fields, and why those are required fields. So it was like a little training boot camp. It was like seven minutes long. It wasn't a lot. And then we asked some questions and just and just validated that. And I think like, you know, here's a little old demand gen. Uh, let's face it, you're not a gigantic team. And we do that. We play big though, Dave. We do. Yeah, we play big. <laughs> well, you got to practice what you preach, right? Because what they were showing showing was if you go down this way, which Salesforce has a lot of buttons and a lot of ways that you can do the same thing. And what they're saying is don't do those ways, only do these one of two ways, right. because otherwise what was going to happen, an opportunity would get created and there'd be no attribution because the context wouldn't be right. attached. Right. And, w- and quite honestly, we wouldn't have known that in sales because we don't think about it that way. No, you do what's, yeah. what's easy and efficient to get the job done. Right. And I think what we're running into out, out in the field is... is um, you know, an example of that where you've got organizations that have their sales org, org is not adopting the use of Salesforce or their CRM the way they should. Yeah. And I think more times than not, it's not because there's anything wrong with Salesforce. It's It's been configured in a way that is so complex for the salesperson, they just give up after a while. Yeah. And they don't have the opportunity to sit down every other week and and, and get trained or, or ask those questions. And I think oftentimes if sales understood why marketing um, or your, your Salesforce admin is asking you to do that, it would make more sense for you. And on the other hand, I think the Salesforce admin should understand you know, why sales clicks on buttons or doesn't fill out fields or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's an area of friction that's out there in the marketplace today. We looked at the opportunity object and we were looking at one of the, the pick lists and the pick list values that just got cleaned up. And there was further on conversation for everybody listening around whether or not multiple opportunities need to be created. And so I was thinking about it that just something like that, even if it added a minute, which in this case, it would add a lot more than one minute. But if you have a hundred salespeople and you do something to your CRM that adds one more minute of time, that's an hour and a half of productivity potentially taken away unless it's a really smart move to do that. And I was talking with a MarTech company. Well, they're kind of a a crossover between MarTech, SalesTech out of Long Island. And they were saying this weekend when I was talking to their, their CEO, he was saying, our process, our sales process, like our proposal creation, sending, uh, and Salesforce processes are so convoluted that we are just horribly inefficient. And they don't have a large sales team either. They probably have 15, 20 salespeople. And so what do you, what do you think with this growing, growing issue of sales needing constant training around CRM 
and sales enablement tools and to take friction out of the buying process? What do you think is going to happen in terms of people looking for help or support in those areas over now or the years years to come if you were to speculate? Yeah, I I think we've over-engineered things way too much. And um, I'd like to see a simplification over time. I I don't sense that that's going to happen on its own. So, um, you know, I think that there's going to be more and more need of sales organizations and marketing organizations to simplify the use of the tools that we have. As the head of sales, what recommendations? Because you and I are old enough to know, remember the RCA dog, the little head side side dog? Kind of like Nugget. Kind of like Nugget. Nugget is Rob's dog, and, and she is a sweetheart. She's in the office today. She's not literally here in the studio, but she'll be here soon. Um, that, that, that tipped head, like, what are you saying? Uh, I will notice sometimes you in meetings when marketing operations is talking about a new process or thing. <laughs> is it obvious? Y- yes, you give that look. You're like, huh? Huh? Um, as the head of sales, what recommendations would you give to marketing and marketing ops to understand the world you're in and the tools you use? I'm going to take this back to episode 95 when we talked about walking walk the other person's shoes because I think too often um, we get siloed in, in our jobs and in the approach. Do you think we could get off of demand gen radio, some people to take action and say, you know, tomorrow or next week, I'm going to take one or two hours of my time and I'm going to sit by an SDR and just shadow them like a waiter and shadow them and watch them use the CRM for a few hours or an hour and watch the clicks, the process. I mean, how impactful would that be for marketing to just take a look at a day in the life of an SDR or, or sales rep. And I would say an SDR because they're in the tool all day. Your sales rep might not be the best person to shadow uh, and they may need some coaching, more coaching themselves. Right, but not every organization, particularly those that we're, you know, we're dealing with uh, on the manufacturing side have SDRs. You know, they have field sales organizations yeah. and they need that those organizations to adopt the, the technology. So they need to understand how to use it um, it needs to be deployed in a way that's simple enough that doesn't feel like it's getting in the way of their doing their job. Um, so, you know, back to walk in their shoes, understand how they use it, understand what their needs are, and, you know, the world would be a better place. There's a lot of MarTech that has these sales enablement components. And so when somebody buys the marketing tool, they then push that tool out to sales and and do a one hour training and hope there's adoption from that one hour training what is that that process clearly doesn't work what yeah, what should it, they do it doesn't it's um i think it's continuous training and um i hate to say it but there's a lot of hands-on uh training that needs to happen i've come from organizations where we did exactly that where um you know to tune in wednesday at two o'clock eastern time we're going to do an hour training um, you know, look at the webinar. It just doesn't work it, because this is a tool that, you know, I'm still, I've used it for years and I'm still learning how to use it. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's, it's constant. And it's changing. I mean, lightning for it, 20, 2019 was kind of the year of lightning. And I say kind of, because not everybody has migrated to it and more and more people are, but that's a, that's a big change to the, the interface for sales. And for sure, we should not assume, right. Uh, that, that you're going to get the adoption that either you once had, or that you're just going to get more adoption because there's a new interface for the tool. Well, that's on the CRM side. I mean, on the MA side, you know, I've had experience with three, 
um, platforms now. Yeah. And while there's similarities, they're not all the same. Let's let's wrap up with putting you on the spot with a question on uh, in the mind of sales and the mind of marketing. What's and you? I'm going to say you, your. But if you were to guess from a sales leader perspective, what's the hardest part about being the head of sales? And then I'm going to ask you part two, which is what do you think the hardest part about being the head of marketing is? So let's start with sales. Wow, you are putting me on that. It's on, it's on the spot. Yeah. And it could be projecting your own, what's the most difficult thing, or just what you think from your years of experience, the hardest part about being a head of sales. Well, the, the hardest thing to do um, as a sales leader is bring on new customers, customers that don't know anything about you and your offering, and that's the hardest thing to do. And it takes a lot of work and diligence and all the things that come along with that. Um, and that uh, you know, translates into, into success. Um, and finding people that can do that, it's a different skill set um, than, than managing an install base account. While that's important, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's easier to do than, than that. It's related. I, I mean, I, you know, since, you, since you covered sales, uh, it's not so far in my, my, in my past that I remember, I'll, I'll tell you the hardest thing for marketing, it's kind of related. I mean, your is about bringing new customers on. Ours has always been equating our investment to bring on new customers right. to the return of that. Right, which ties into our conversation earlier today about something as simple as attaching a lead to, to a, a uh, opportunity record versus an account. Yeah, imagine that. You've, you've, you've worked on this campaign. You've created every UTM tag that's needed, you know, the coding on the end of the URL, on your social media posts, on your, your links, your emails, everything, so that every single campaign member is properly associated into this object. And then sales. And or some s- sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> creates a new opportunity and doesn't associate the contacts in that way and yeah. everything falls out the window. That's even if you set everything up right in right. terms of the inbound links and your marketing automation system and your CRM and do that. Someone's there's really got to fix this. There's that single for, uh, point of failure. Yeah. And, and, and it can be addressed, but it's, it's, it's super, super, super challenging. Uh, we're definitely seeing a shift in, in marketing mixes. Maybe we'll cover that as another topic or when I have some more marketing folks on just seeing changes, you know, less people putting money into events because of the high cost of, of lead right. generation in that area and, and, and some others. Versus the return. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For events sure. are d- always been the most expensive form of lead generation, but with the cost of like hotels and parking and catering and uh, all the event companies and what they're charging these days, it's getting more and more expensive and your cost per leads through the roof. And if I just said like one of the challenges is tying that back, boy, if, if you can't look at last year's events and directly contribute those to revenue when it's a big part in the budget, um, some changes there. Seeing more in... Um, account-based display advertising Mm -hmm. people who are practicing uh abm well rob thank you for joining me again i always like our fireside chats let's do it again we just need a fire Um, (laughs) we don't have a fireside we got the chat part down we do uh well thank you everybody for tuning in to demand gen radio i uh i really enjoy working with rob um if you can't tell from his persona he he's a cool cat he doesn't get riled up too much and when when we have alignment issues at at demand gen which every company has sales and marketing alignment issues we talk through them and and um take this one team approach which is really really critical because everyone has strong perceptions of of how to run and do things and then uh you know you got to talk them through and just really 
and understand, as you said, walk in the shoes of, of your, your business partner. Um, if you didn't identify with one of those personas that Rob talked about, the new sheriff or someone who's got this, this maybe large investment in, in MarTech and doesn't know what to do with it, I'd love to hear if there's other things that are top of mind for you that we're not talking about, because I'd love to do some episodes with some guests and really talk about those, those challenges. I just thought it'd be cool to have Rob on today uh, and share some of the things, the pain points and, and topics that people are looking for. Thank you for doing that. No problem, Dad. I only have I only have one ask for you. Go go start thinking about your next walk up song, and let's have you back on the program. That's easy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I know on the last couple episodes I have asked for one thing and one thing only from you, and I'll ask once again because I really really appreciate it. If you could take a minute or two and go to the iTunes store and just give a quick review of Demand Gen Radio. It helps enormously in our visibility and getting the word out to others like yourself and getting them to tune in. So thank you if you do that. I know so many of you have sent me notes on LinkedIn and email saying, hey, Dave, I heard your podcast. I did a review. Thank you so much for all the hard work you guys put into it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 